Welcome to Generation X Paranormal. So I'm going to cover a little bit about what, what our show's about. Um, Nicole's not here. She's, she's giving me the, uh, the tools or the keys of the kingdom, so to speak. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or not. Um, but I am here. I've got the dogs. So if you hear them bark, I apologize. Um, but it's just nature of the business, right? But what we are is we're a show that pretty much tries to be, tries to be level headed. You know, we go in a lot of these shows with, with the thought of, uh, you know, the paranormal being one of those things that um, I guess that it can get really blown out of proportion. I know that's really dumb to say about the paranormal because it's the whole point, right? But, you know, you see some of these shows and you see some of these, um, you know, and guys, I watch them too. We, we love them. Uh, but they get really blown out of proportion. And, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but I think what um, what tends to happen is that People don't get a real view and can't get really excited about the, the show itself. They just It's just all about the, the glitz and the glam. And I, there's one that I'm dancing around, and you guys know who it is, and it's a guy who's got really interesting hair and glasses. I'm sure he's a cool dude, but it's just really about, like, watching them interact with ghosts. It just becomes a big farce, and we're just not like that. That's not what our show, show is. It's not how, how it's designed. So, you know, I really want user involvement i'd like to see people uh give any kind of advice um you know we've got a youtube channel as you now see uh we are also a podcast so you know if you want to listen online uh, we're available pretty much anywhere you can stick a freaking podcast nowadays um and we do have a website gxparanormal.com you can reach us there um you know we would like to have you guys involved as much as possible we 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 try to be as cutting edge as we can, and we call it Generation X because, guys, as you can probably tell, I am Generation X. And uh, Amy, no, it's not a prerequisite for you to be a part of the channel. So um, at any rate, uh, yeah, we really want some user engagement. Um, the reason I'm doing this as a live is because, one, uh, it's just another way to provide you guys some content and to kind of see us. A lot of our videos are just, you know, voiceover video, which is fine. Uh, and we'll still continue to do a lot of that, too. But, you know, I think it's important that you guys get to know who we are. Um, but at any rate, just kind of looking everything over. Uh, we've got a couple of people looks like they're in. But, um, but yeah, so if you've clicked on it, you kind of know what this video is about. And... I'm going to start over, and again, if you were here earlier um, and you hear it again, well, it's just good practice, right? <laughs> so, um, before I get into it, I'm not a, a subject matter expert on, you know, Bermuda Triangle or anything of that nature. I am, however, pretty knowledgeable when it comes to naval aviation. I was in the Navy for a very long time. I was an aviation ordinanceman, which means I put the bombs and the missiles and the guns uh, together and made an unscheduled flight lethal. <laughs> so I know a thing or two about it. So when it comes to Bermuda Triangle, again, there's a ton of different topics you can go over. But for me, I have a very personal feeling towards Flight 19. And Flight 19 
You know, that's, that's an interesting one, because when you think of Bermuda Triangle, a lot of people think of this particular incident, and there are maritime ones with boats and things like that, too. Uh, but this is kind of one of the, the, bigger, the bigger events, because there was a lot of life loss on that one. Not to say that any life loss isn't worth anything, definitely not trying to say that, but just it was, a, it was quite a, an interesting, um, interesting event. So at any rate, I'm going to read this out to you, and um, again, feel free to jump in. I've got chat available, so if you got any questions, stop me and I'll keep an eye on it. So shortly after 2 p.m. on December 5th, 1945, uh, five TMB Avenger torpedo bombers departed U.S. Naval Air Station of Fort Lauderdale for a routine navigational training flight with Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor acting as the flight leader. So there it is. It's a training mission, right? Um, it's interesting because if you know anything about what this is, and I'm about to mention it, there's a lot of, of interesting parallels. So Taylor was a seasoned naval aviator with some 2,500 flying hours and multiple World War II combat tours in the Pacific. So that's a pretty important uh, piece of information there. This particular uh, pilot, it's not like he didn't know anything. It's, it's not like it was uh, someone who didn't have experience. This is a seasoned pilot. Now, granted, he's not a, an ace. He's not somebody that you've... Uh, that you would imagine to be your maverick type, but he's a he's a pilot. He knows what he's doing. So he's taking these guys out for a run, okay? Uh, the aircraft was dubbed Flight 19, and they were to execute a navigation problem number one, which was to fly from East Florida coast, uh, conduct bombing runs at places called Hens and Chicken Shoals, turn north, then proceed over Grand Bahama Island. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if you caught that, but... <laughs> The fact that this was a a navigation training um, yeah, navigation training <clears throat> simulation that's pretty that's pretty rough considering what happened to him. But I'll try not to get too uh, you know these are these were people, so I, I don't want to want to jump too much down their throats. But at any rate, the flight's last leg was to fly back to NAS Fort Lauderdale, and that was that was in the entire route. Now, the weather on that particular day was relatively normal, except for a few scattered showers. So if you've ever been to Florida in December, you know that a few slight showers here and then, that is not a big deal. Doesn't even register. So on the first leg of the flight, everything went as planned. They dropped their practice bombs without incident. And as a group began to turn up north for the second leg of the journey, that's when trouble began. So at approximately 3.45 p.m., Fort Lauderdale's flight tower received a message from Taylor. Remember, this is a leader who reported sounded who reportedly sounded confused and worried. Those are two words you do not want to hear from your leader when you're in a military exercise. <laughs> Trust me, I know. So is is <clears throat> he basically says this cannot see land. We seem to be off course. And then tower responds. Well, what's your position? I mean, that seems like a pretty, pretty normal thing for someone to say. Um, then there were a few moments of silence, and tower personnel peered out in the clear day in the direction of where the planes were supposed to be operating, but there was no sign of them. So really what that tells us is that the tower has a clear enough dead reckoning. By the way, dead reckoning, no instrumentation, you can see them. 
they got such clarity from that tower that they can look out. And that should tell us a lot about what the conditions were at that time. There should not have been much confusion. There should have just been, even with navigational issues, you can see where you're going. So that's a that's a pretty big, important part. <clears throat> so going on, uh, here's Taylor says, we cannot be sure where we are. Repeat, cannot see land. And I guess contact was lost for roughly about 10 minutes, which... 10 minutes of air time and 10 minutes of fuel and 10 minutes of exhaustion, not knowing where you are at 10 minutes probably felt like a world of time for these guys. But at any rate, when it resumed, the voice of the flight leader was not who responded to him. The new voice says we cannot see or we cannot find West. Everything is wrong. We can't be sure of any direction. Everything looks strange. Even the ocean. That's interesting. Even the ocean. There was another delay, and then the tower personnel learned from intercept transmission that the flight leader had turned over his command to another pilot for unknown reasons. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a big one because being being having a military background, and honestly, you probably don't even need to have a military background to realize that that's. That's monumental. So you've got a leader of a training flight, right? He is turning over command of all these souls to somebody who is not of his capability. Now, we don't know. Could the guy have been sick or was he just trying to figure things out and told somebody else to radio in? Maybe. But that's pretty suspicious for uh, somebody in in a leadership position, especially doing this. Um, But anyway, after 20 minutes of radio silence, a new leader's voice transmitted to the tower, but it was trembling, bordering on hysteria. We cannot tell where we are. Everything is, can't make anything out. Jarble, or uh, cut off, anyway. Uh, We think we may be about 220 miles northeast of base. For a few moments, the pilot rambled incoherently before uttering the last words ever heard from Flight 19. It looks like we're it looks like we are entering white water. We're completely lost. Within minutes, tower personnel scrambled two PBM Mariner flying boats, which if you've ever seen that, it's the, the boat or the aircraft that have kind of like the boat bottom on it. You can look it up, of course. Um, at any rate, they were headed for flight, t- flight 19's last known estimated position. And after 10 minutes into the flight rescue, they checked in with Tower, but that was one. That was the last time one rescue plane transmitted back to Fort Lauderdale's flight operations. Now, six aircraft with personnel vanished. For five days, the Coast Guard, Navy, and Naval Aviation personnel searched extensively in more than 2,500,000 square miles of Atlantic Gulf waters, but nothing was found. No aviators, no wreckage. No life raft, no oil slick, which if a, keep in mind, this is 1945. So these aircraft, they're, um, they're not what you're used to seeing today. Uh, they were good aircraft. There's nothing wrong with them, but, uh, they, they were kind of messy. They were, they were leaked a ton of oil. Okay. For, for them to go down and not have a, at all, a um, a single sign of them. That's, that is interesting. You know, um, 
But at any rate, so what we're going to see is that the Navy launched an investigation into the incident, but no conclusive evidence was found. 14 men were lost as a result of the Flight 19 tragedy, and 13 more were lost from the PBM Mariner attempted rescue. So that's kind of the, the history behind it. You know, without trying to get too deep into the woods on, on the military part and the military jargon or anything like that, you know, you look at these guys and, and they were training. I get it. And there were people that, um, that they were entrusted to, to lead them. That's scary on its own right. When you put your faith and your, your livelihood and you put your, you put your life in another person's hands, um, that's always something that, that's, that gives you some trepidation. Doesn't matter how, how strong of conviction you are. That is scary. So you get in this aircraft, right? And you guys taxi and you go through. First of all, you got to learn how to fly, and that's hard enough as it is. And then, you know, you get in the air with this uh, with this leader who's he's a known combat veteran. And you think, well, I mean, this is pretty much an easy flight. I mean, granted, nothing's supposed to be easy, but for the most part, you got to figure it's pretty, pretty simple out there. Drop some bombs on your way back. When I was in, I can tell you that this sort of thing happened time and time and time again on shore in, uh, you know, while we were on the boat underway, this was very average thing to do for aviation community. So to, to start going into it and you drop your bombs and when you're starting on your way back for your leader to become confused, that's, that, that would be very scary for these individuals. Um, and it was also reported that um, Taylor's um, Taylor's compasses went out. Now, keep in mind, <clears throat> they didn't obviously enjoy the GPS and all that stuff that we enjoy, right? Um, you know, this is 1945. But compasses did work, and it's not anything new. Um, but for both compasses to go out completely, even for 1945, that is that is pretty rare. Um, so rare that that it, it warrants you to think about what could have actually happened. And not only that, but that wasn't the only compass in the air at that time. You had several other aircraft with compasses on it. Um, even if you, even if you're not a seasoned pilot, I know for sure one of the first things you learn in aviation is to learn how to read a compass while you're airborne. So that right there is telling uh, of, of some really interesting things. Um, so, you know, they fly, they get lost and you can't blame it on not being able to see, cause we can already prove that the tower knew where they were going. Um, you know, everybody could see visually that doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't lost. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they were scared. I'm sure they were, but there's a lot of telling in that part. So Let's focus a little bit on what we think we know about Bermuda Triangle. Again, not a subject matter expert in the least, but what I can tell you is that I've been through it a few times. Um, most of the time when I've gone through, it's been choppy water. Um, the Gulf Stream there is pretty, pretty outrageous. Um, it can, it can rock even a, an aircraft carrier. Um, but I lived, <laughs> and. 
the the triangle goes from Miami up to Bermuda, right? And then down to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. And what's interesting about that is that trade route right there is constantly being used, right? So if there was something truly, truly paranormal, I, I know, we would see more of it. And I'm not saying that we don't. There are plenty other stories out there. There's a Cyclops and, you know, these are these are boats um, in the Atlanta and a few different other ones. And for those individuals, they had families, too. And I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Uh, just that you know, we travel this thing. This isn't something brand new. So you've got that going for you. Now, you've also got people who've been there know that or claims there have been rogue waves. Now, up until not too long ago, we thought that was just um, hearsay. We didn't know it for sure that it exists. Well, I'm here to tell you it exists. Could rogue waves be part of what's happening out there? Sure. Why couldn't it be? It's the ocean. Uh, there's Gulf Stream winds. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely plausible. And and I think if you're into the paranormal, you have to accept the fact that anything's got to be plausible if you're trying to get to the truth, Right. So that kind of explains maybe some of the things that happened to the boats, the maritime experience. You know, some of the boats that were lost, some wreckage was found, but we don't know what happened to them. And in some cases, the boat was found, but there was no crew. I have no idea what to tell you about that. Okay. Uh, I can't remember which boat it was. Maybe... I can't remember. You can look that up. But there was a boat that was out there that went into the Bermuda Triangle. I'm not trying to laugh, but it's just crazy. Um, and there was not a soul on sight, and the boat was just a rogue boat out there, unmanned. That's freaking scary. I mean, yeah. So anyway. But to say that that is alien or that is... Uh, another portal to another dimension. <clears throat> I don't know that. I don't know if that exists. It could, sure. Um, you know, if you're familiar with with some of the developments at like Skinwalker Ranch, um, you know, they talk about portals and different things how you can come in between or in and out of dimensions. <clears throat> and maybe that's what happens. I don't know. I can tell you that I've been through it several times. I'm still here, and all my shipmates are here, are still here for the most part. <laughs> we're a little older now, but we're here. To say it's paranormal, I don't know that I agree with that. Now, keep in mind, I have a paranormal show. I believe in a lot of paranormal activity. Um, but I guess we really got to think about what that term paranormal means. Paranormal just means different than normal, right? So... We probably would be okay saying paranormal, but I don't think it's alien by nature. Here's here's my thought. Compasses. So I think a lot of these compasses, and again, I'm not an expert, but I think a lot of them work off of magnetic north, right? We've all heard that. Could there not be some kind of uh, environmental uh, situation that happens in you know at any given moment where there is a a problem with the magnetic part of the earth which causes these these uh compasses to break yeah i mean what do we got here yeah yeah that's true amy uh, that's pretty wild uh so amy says 
and I hope you're okay with me saying it. She says, uh, I've heard of stories of ship crews just being gone after their food was still there on the table and there was uh, cigarette ashtrays and stuff like that. Yeah, I've heard that. That's pretty wild. You know, that right there, I'll get back to my point about the magnets, but that right there, that's scary because what causes an entire crew to abandon ship that way? I mean... Could there have been something they saw in the water that made them jump in? Who the heck knows? I mean, that's that's pretty frightening. But yeah, you're right. I don't understand that. That's one of those where, what do you chalk that up to? What would make an entire crew of a ship abandon like that and just take off? You know, those things we won't know. At least as far as I know, anyway. But getting back to the magnetic thing, um, you know, with some of these, uh, with some of these particular. Uh, magnetic compasses if there's a spike or something that happens that could throw off these these compasses right so that would explain why why the leader lost his two compasses and why none of the other compasses on that flight crew worked of course this is all conjecture we don't know for sure Um, we do know that he did report at one particular point uh taylor that they didn't work so let's let's unpack that a little bit. So you're flying along, you do this bomb, you run, everything's fine, and boom, you hit a spike of whatever, right? And now all of a sudden, none of your compasses work. Now you're trying to not only navigate for yourself, but you're trying to navigate for everybody that's in your charge. You know that you have a, a finite amount of fuel. You have a finite amount of time to get to where you're going safely. Yeah, I'd be pretty worried about that time. But at no time does he really... St- that he he gives over power to to younger pilot and again he may have just said here talk to these people while i figure out what the heck's going on and um that's very likely but you know we don't know we don't know for sure uh so yeah they're flying along they lose compass power and um i don't know why i said power they lose compass capabilities and now there's 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 a problem so now you got to figure out where you're going well I do know that even by by some ability, well, I'll tell you this. I know that dead reckoning is something that they teach pilots, right? We know that. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, Amy. There's definitely got to be an anomaly. I agree. that, And that's kind of the point I'm making with that. But, uh, yeah, so they're, they're flying around. And uh, now they got to figure out how to get back. And they know they're, they're on a time schedule at this point. And they're figuring that if you run out of fuel, where are you going to go? You can't go back to those islands. You're in the middle of nowhere in the Atlantic. And what do you do? So he probably passes that off, tries to figure out, okay, what in the heck are we actually going to do? So do you bring out charts? Because I know they probably had maps. Do you do you sit there with a compass, of a manual compass, which is probably magnetic too, incidentally. And you're trying to figure out where you are in a chart map, which I know they have. I've seen air crew carry it, even today. So you get on this on this thing. You're trying to figure out where you are. You're flying, and you know you're running out of time. I think for me, I think what happened to these guys is there was there was probably a breakdown in communication between all the aircraft. I don't think that Taylor should have have probably engulfed himself so much into maybe figuring out where they're going. Of course, this is all conjecture. I don't know that for sure. And there's a magnetic dip. None of their instrument instrumentation is, is helping them, but they need to get back to where they are. 
I think if they had been a little bit better at communicating with the tower, maybe they could have figured out where they were and gotten back. But I'll say this, because all that's important. And and while I, I personally am not of the camp of it's got to be aliens came and zipped them out of the sky, I, I guess I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> Again, this is a guy who's got a paranormal channel, right? Um, and I believe in a lot of paranormal, but I just don't, I don't buy that. I think, I think they crashed. They ran out of fuel. They bit the dust. And when they went down, they went down to a place that's so deep, they can't even be reached. Um, but the fact that there was no, no evidence, right? Hang on. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Amy. Yeah. So Amy says there wasn't an interview with a gentleman on one of those small planes. They called single engineer plane. Yep. Yeah. So I think that was uh, it was a guy in a in a prop plane. You're right. And I think if I remember right, he flies into like a, a cloud. Right. I think it was like a clouded area. And he he kind of has all these. Um, I think the clouds do some like trippy things where it's different colors and everything. And. Keep in mind, I'm trying to remember this. <laughs> he jogged my memory. But he goes through it, and um, he goes forward in time, I think, if I remember right. Um, so he claims to have gone through a wormhole, which is something absolutely, I think, plausible. I don't know if it's happening there, but I do think that's plausible. And even Einstein has said that, that that's a plausible thing. Um, but... Yeah, you're right, Amy. That was an interesting story. I remember, <clears throat> I remember when that first came out. Um, that was a pretty big deal because this person made it. Right? Uh, he didn't die. He was there to to tell the story, and and um, you know he's able to see. And he was in a single engine airplane. Yeah, you're right. I remember that. Good call. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, with the uh, Flight 19 guys, I think they crashed, and I think they went so deep that. <laughs> It'll be a hard time finding them. I do find it odd about the oil. Um, could they have ditched oil? I don't know. Would you even do that? What would be the purpose of that? I'm not sure. But again, not a subject matter expert when it comes to the Bermuda Triangle. I am a subject matter expert, somewhat, of naval aviation. So they send <clears throat> they send an entire aircraft crew out to find these guys, and they don't make it. That one's interesting. That's the one that, that I think bothers me the most about this whole story. Because you got these these 13 guys that go out there, uh, or sorry, 14 guys that go out there, <clears throat> sorry, and they don't make it. And that's sad. That's very sad. And it's very questionable, or very questionable conditions as to why, right? <clears throat> then you send another aircraft out with 13 souls aboard, right? And they're gone. They vanish. They're not seen again either. So, while I am, uh, while I have my my hat on about, I don't think it's paranormal in the sense that it's alien. Maybe Amy's got a point. You know, maybe this this single engine aircraft guy's got a point. Maybe maybe they slipped into another parallel universe. You know, there's a lot of strange things out there, right? We know that. That there is no way we would know everything. It's just impossible, right? So could could this have happened where these 
aircraft went into a parallel dimension. You bet. I have to concede that. As much as you concede the fact that that there could be an environmental thing that happened here, now we got to think about the things that, if we can't explain it, which we can't, nobody has up to this point, what could it have possibly been? So let's let's put away my uh, non-believer hat for just a second, right? Let's talk about <clears throat> some things that, that it may or may not be paranormal-wise. So as, as we talked about a little bit ago, um, could it be an area where you go into another dimension? Certainly. Why couldn't you? Um, we don't know that for sure. We have no idea. Um, you know, there there could be places, and, and I know being uh, being the culture that I am, I'm, I'm Native, uh, Native American, and if my overseas, uh, my overseas listeners, Indian for lack of better words, okay? We believe pretty wholeheartedly that there are... Um, there are places where there is uh, very special sacred areas, right? Vortexes, things like that, where you can go in and and do interdimensional travel and, and speak to ancestors and things like that. I believe in that. So why couldn't you then think that there is something airborne? Why not, right? Uh was it put there like a stargate for aliens? I don't know. That seems pretty out there, and, and it may be a little far-fetched, but we're, we're putting our paranormal hat on. So let's just, for sake, say we've got a uh, a portal, right? Say we got a portal and they fly right through. Where'd they go? Did they go to another dimension? Did they go to the future? Did they time slip? Maybe, but that was 1945. At, at, at some point, are we going to like, this is really kind of talking uh, talking down on the situation a little bit, and I don't mean to, but do we at some point go, you know, we're hanging out in Fort Lauderdale or something, and all of a sudden these, these aircraft come flying through. Uh, that would scare the crap out of anybody, but no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it'd make a great movie, that's for sure, um, but no, I, I don't see that happening. But um, so let's say... It's not a portal. Do we think maybe at some point an alien craft comes and shoots the beam of green down and sucks these guys out of the sky? Yeah, I don't think so. I think even in 1945, we'd have we'd have had enough technology to spot some of that. I mean, remember, the tower could look outside where they were. So they're not so far enough away. That they couldn't spot something like that. Uh, yeah, you're right, Amy. The, the fact there was no oil, that, that's something I can't figure out. But, but yeah, so if they can see right out, right, the tower is there <clears throat> and they can't see any sign of a, of a, of a craft coming to take them and, and suck them out of the sky. Yeah, I don't buy that. That's, that's not something that, that I believe in. Um, but the, the time, the time thing's interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, the time slip and, and the wormhole, that's interesting. Um, but I would think, given the amount of time that this has been recorded since history of the uh, of the events that happened at, at Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle, I think you'd see more of it, and we don't. Well, I say that. We assume it's not happening, but, but you got to figure, let's say you're a pilot nowadays, and you're flying through the Bermuda Triangle, and you have all this instrumentation and all this technology, and you fly through wormhole and zap two hours out of your life that i don't know 
I know I would because you got to figure something out, right? But yeah, I listen. I I can tell you right now that having the military background, that they the Navy had some egg on their face on this one because they don't know what to do at that point. And what do you do? What do you tell? What do you tell the dependents? Right? I mean, obviously it's. It's awful, right? We got a loss of life at an epic scale, um, especially at that time. There wasn't, there wasn't some of the catastrophes. Ca- listen to me. There was catastrophes, but there wasn't, you know, like your 9/11s and things like that. Thank God. Um, but what do you say with that much loss of life? Do you, when you go to dependents and you say, "Hey, this was just a training run, and we lost your family or your family member." Um, they're going to want something, I would think, for closure. And typically that remains and got nothing. And that's not to say that it's never happened in the past. You know, you go to war and, excuse me, if your plane is downed, um, there may not be any rings, but you would know where that person is. And they didn't know. So I'm not sure what you do to, for dependents at that point. And that's where the that's where the real tragedy is, Right. Um, and we're, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up a little bit. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but I kind of I think I kind of got out some of the things I wanted to say. But the real tragedy is there was a very large loss of life there. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not the only thing that's happened in the triangle. There's been other loss of life. And, you know, we look at these stories and I try to I know myself and Nicole were very try to make it a point to be as as knowledgeable and understanding of the human part of all this. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to tell that or I definitely want the story out there that we care about what happens to these people and we try not to make light of it. Um, but I feel terrible for the families. They never got that closure. Um, and I'm sure most of their, their family members have since passed and they never got to live with that. So, um, you know, aside from that, listen, if you guys made it this far and, and Amy, thanks for, for, dropping that stuff in the chat but um but yeah uh thanks for tuning in to our first live uh, we'll do more of these uh i just wanted to try something new you know and we'll make some more videos if you didn't catch the shorts or anything i did prior to this there's some really cool stuff um i try to throw some shorts on out there from time to time <laughs> it's funny the last one i put out some pretty good responses on but um but if you haven't checked that out you should uh this will be obviously in podcast form too um but listen um if you haven't subscribed already please do so um really enjoy having you guys along and we'll we'll start this up again next week all right yeah again give us comments give us feedback let us know if there's some stories you want to talk about um you know there's one of the things that's great about the paranormal is that everybody goes through it, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that's for me. (laughs) I'll catch you guys later.